0: Don't make me hit leave. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay, I'll see. yeah.
0: Welcome to Scatterbrain Podcast, episode forty-three.
1: So, what you can do, man, you were talking about not liking because you couldn't mute. If you hit the mute button, so you're muted, and then all you got to do is press, press and hold the space button and then talk. Okay.
0: Oh God, i am getting a massive echo. Okay, hold on. Um, let me try it. So I, so I just mute my audio, right? Yeah. Uh, muted. Can you hear just me? Click, yeah, you can. No. Just click okay, the so mute button.
1: Click mute. Now can you hear me? I can. No. Can you hear me now? I can, just hit the mute button on the bottom on the meeting controls.
0: Okay. Oh, I see. So. You just hit the bar with
1: well, that. Right now, you're not muted. So. Right,
0: but now, now I will be watching. Dan, you filthy piece of shit. Can no, no, me?
1: no, 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 no. That's not right. You have to hit the mute button. There's like the controls at the bottom.
0: Oh, you heard me say that?
1: Yes, one of them oh. is mute. So I apologize. Click on that mute. For That's those okay. nasty click things. On the, click on mute. That. Okay, how about now? Can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. Click the no. mute button on the meeting controls. Okay, so now. Oh, wow. That. Did that wait. That you sound like huge. you're banging your head. You sound like you're banging your head on the wall or something. Just click the mute button. I did, but it mutes you. No, it doesn't, dude. Watch. Say something. I can hear you. Hold on. I'm going to mute you. See, now you're muted and you can't hear me. Or you can't. I can't hear you, but you can hear me. So now if you press the space button down and hold it, I should be able to hear you. I guess not.
0: That doesn't work. The host muted yeah. me. Oh, now oh, there we go. Yeah, now there you go. Press Alt A to unmute your microphone, or press and hold. Ah, uh, now it went away. I couldn't read the rest. Oh well.
1: So what now? you do is when you hold on, click hold on. the mute button. Okay. So you know at the bottom you got the controls. It's like mute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Security, participants, share screen, that's chat. What been, all that shit. That's
0: what I've been doing, dude. I'm not that stupid. Jesus Christ.
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, if you click it. It sounds like you're there. just like pumping your head, your dick on the keyboard or something.
0: <laughs> dude, Dude, I hit it and it mutes you.
1: No, that's not true, man. It can't be. Watch.
0: I'm not you talking. You can probably still hear me. I can't hear a thing you're saying right now.
1: Well, I'm not talking until right now. Now you can hear me. So not mute on like your go ahead keyboard. And start not mute on your keyboard. I don't hear anything.
0: Ha! Hey, I can mute you. That's awesome. <laughs> anyway, there we go. I don't
1: know, dude. I don't know. There's a, I can't like it's the backwards. The bottom. It's backwards. Oh, here's
0: that. Here's another. Oh, I just something else just popped up. Here it is.
1: There you go. Now you're muted. Right. Correct. So now hold your space bar. Just hold it. Press it and hold it.
0: That's the first time that's popped up though for me. So that's cool. You just,
1: have to move, you just have to move your mouse around, I guess, to get the controls to show up. I was Dan. I don't know, Dan. I'm just telling you. Okay. Now you're unmuted. Now you're muted. Perfect. Now hold it again to talk.
0: I have to hold it the whole time to talk.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's sucky. Well, it's not, you were just saying you didn't like how you couldn't mute yourself and I was giving you one way. Otherwise you can click and un- and click that mute button. You'll see it says unmute and then mute right on the meeting controls at the bottom. There you go. Yeah. I don't,
0: there. I don't like, I don't like having to hold it to talk though. That's weird. So I'm then gonna, move
1: the mouse and click the mute button, dude. I'm going my, to my right. Yeah, my point was just that you could, it was an option, you know? You were saying yeah. you do it, and I
0: just Now I'm that. never going to be muted. There
1: you go. Unless I knew- <laughs> Sorry. What was that? I, I think I might have muted you on purpose. <laughs> okay. There you go. All I, right. don't know if I, I don't know
0: if I like that I can be muted. That's bullshit. Uh, uh, welcome to Scatterbrand Podcast Episode 43 how's it going your highness
1: what's oh. shaking buddy you didn't, so much. you didn't like you didn't like that i could mute you huh no i don't like that at all <laughs> yeah well, does that mean
0: i can can i mute you
1: um if you get your own meeting set up and invite me to it then yes you could next week <laughs> if you have a you have a 40 minute limit on yours because it's not paid but it isn't
0: yeah it is no it isn't wait you have to pay for it oh that's sucky
1: so, yeah, that'd uh, be a good one to do, to edit. You've been a while. So.
0: Been a while. It's only been two episodes.
1: <laughs> it seems like it seems like forever. I'm telling you, I'm living in the past or in the future always. It just feels like you got a little taste of it, right? You spend this time with an episode and then you're on to oh, yeah. the next one and you, you forget sort of what the one was last week.
0: Oh, yeah. I've done, what, uh, four, five, six now? So I'm getting yeah, the hang definitely. of it. I'm getting the hang of yeah. it.
1: So for anyone uh, not following along, we are on social media. Uh, you can reach us at Twitter. At Scatterbrain Pod and on Instagram at, at Scatterbrain Pod SD is in San Diego. You can email us at scatterbrainpod at outlook.com or leave us a voice message on anchor.fm. Just search for us there. And uh, leave us something. Uh, speaking of social media, dude, we had an yeah. issue on Wednesday publishing our last episode. Yeah, what happened? Uh, so Anchor is the platform that we use. And apparently AWS, the Amazon Web Services, which is kind of what m- much of the internet runs on, uh-huh. it is, uh, had a huge outage. Oh. So they were just out. And it was like the cloud provider, Amazon's cloud services that were having a big problem. Uh, there, it wasn't just limited to them. It was notable because it kept us from publishing uh, episode 43 until that night. Hey, yeah, wait. Or episode 42, not 43. Right, yeah. Well, Which was a fun one. I thought that was a great episode talking with Evan. That was. Oh cool. yeah, yeah. He's a he's a great guest. Yeah, yeah. Good conversation and stuff. And uh, I was it was cool to hear a little bit about some of the things leading up to uh, the album. And I thought it was kind of cool to hear why they, they cut out that one song. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. But
0: um, I, I watched
1: to Say that. What is it? Deus Delenda Est. Is that right?
0: De, do, or Deus Delenda Est or something? Yeah, I watched that again last night actually. Oh, the live thing? Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it, because I, I initially didn't really see the, him, like, turning around going, oh, excuse me, or whatever.
1: So, oh, yeah, wasn't that really funny? <laughs> it, it's <laughs> pretty funny. It,
0: oh, yeah, look, it totally looks like he hit his head.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad he cut it from that angle instead of the other one. You could see the, the headstock, because I totally thought it was head, which made it hilarious.
0: It looks like it, yeah, totally.
1: Yeah, maybe he just didn't want to tell us.
0: <laughs> Pro- probably.
1: <laughs> just kidding.
0: So, uh, so what's new with you this week?
1: Uh, you know, before I, I tell you, because I could give, go into it, I had another scary moment with, related, with relation to the podcast. I didn't tell you. No? You know? What? Well, there was a while there, shortly after that outage, where uh, oh, no, our no. podcast d- disappeared from Spotify. Oh, no. It was weird, yeah, because I could see, you know, from like if I searched by, probably because I, when I go to Post the links online. I browse to the Spotify and then you know share the link and copy it. So I had like that those in my history, but if you searched the podcast or you tried to just go to the main page of it, it was gone.
0: Oh, it didn't do that for me though. on my On my phone, it didn't do that.
1: Oh, that's good. That's good. I was like, I was dreading do what I was gonna have to do. I was either gonna have to contact their support and wait oh. to hear what was going on, or migrate everything or do something. Right.
0: Hate- uh, you
1: Right. Unfortunately, well, it cleared up on its own, and I, I figure it's probably related to something similar with that outage, like I said, in Amazon, because it was pretty pretty widespread, it sounds like.
0: Oh, geez. Yeah, well, ultimately, we have everything, you know, the raw recordings and the, the edited versions, so if it came down to that, we could re-release everything. God, that'd be a nightmare.
1: Yeah, it would be kind of a pain in the ass, because we'd have to, like be able to screenshot some of the descriptions or something like that. But oh, and yeah, um, I mean, we, we do have the data. It is all backed up. And all the
0: cover art too would have to be re oh yeah, that's, that would suck.
1: Yeah, but I've got them. We've got them all, you know. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's a good thing about the cloud, you know, a different cloud, I guess. the Amazon. If, if your cloud's out, it sucks, but uh, do, uh, do you know what the issue was? No, but typically, I mean, mean, it it happens. I would say it happens a few times a year where that's a major outage. It'll affect Netflix. It'll affect, I mean, just such a widespread thing. You know, Amazon is one of the big cloud players. It's like them and Microsoft Azure. Um,
0: I assume they they have like backup after backup after backup, right? You know, because what if some hacker could get in there and like wipe out everything? You have to have some way to retrieve things.
1: Well, I'm sure they back up their systems, but if you're running things like that are in the cloud... Right, Uh, And you're running, you're configuring everything. That's kind of on you, you know, you you can, the tools are there. You can set up like redundancy across zones. You can set up like once, you know, set up stuff. Let's say your production stuff close to you. Like on the, if if we're in San Diego, do something Mm -hmm. on the West coast, right. And build it all there, but then have it replicate to someplace. And like on the East coast, in case something really bad happens, you know, regionally you can switch it, you know, it can fail over to there. So there's, there's tools. But, you know, unless you're using, like, a software as a service where people are hosting it for you and maintaining it and you're just kind of accessing their application, they're going to back it up. But for stuff where you're just running on their hardware.
0: Yeah. um, I I wonder if there's some, like, huge, really thick lead something that protects all this data from, like, a, a solar flare or something, you know? I don't know if there is.
1: I don't think so. (gasps) (laughs) <gasps> <laughs> i mean i mean they've got you know many copies and hopefully the important stuff's put in a very deep bunker somewhere yeah solar I... flares yeah i mean one of those things knock off i know like i think it was in the late night yeah. no probably like early 2000s they had a big solar flare and it knocked a bunch of stuff off somewhere offline i think it, was a...
0: Yeah, well, it was a glancing blow and it only affected like the east coast of canada yeah so that was like a lucky thing but the the real big one was in the 18 like the 1850s i think i forget what year it was and then that was like a huge one like if that would have hit like now everything would be be gone wiped out for months maybe years that's scary Yeah, they they
1: had another one i think in the 90s or in the 80s i remember my dad telling me about it it was a pretty big one as well but yeah i mean all this digital stuff right i mean unless it's stored onto media like a dvd or something like that where it's a little more resilient yeah, I mean all the, all the. I don't know. I I know, think even flash memory and all that stuff, it's gone. I think
0: even CDs and DVDs would be erased, wouldn't they? No, dude. I pr- it's not I'm not the same. I think they might be pretty badly affected yeah. though, unless they're
1: uh, unless they're buried or
0: stored know. somewhere.
1: I don't think so. You don't think so? Is he? No. We'll ask Jim. Last gym, he was telling me all kinds of things about. It's still, uh, it's still pretty- laughing, laughing at us when he hears our conversations and wondering about stuff. Like, yeah, No, right. oh, dude, that's established. He's like, that's established fact. I know, dude. he, that he does joke? that.
0: Dude, he does that to me too. He's like, well, the fact of the matter is that is perfectly easy to play on bass drums and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, all right, you got me. You're a drummer though, dude. You're a good drummer. I'm not a great drummer. You are, so whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, hey, you know what? Speaking of which, I'm, you know how you modified your rating for whatever album that was a while back? I'm modifying my rating for Carnosis because I gave it a 3.5 last time, right? You like it? I like it. I'm going to give it. Uh, Bump,
0: bumping actually, it
1: up now. Huh? now, now that I, I'm about to say it, I don't know if I will. I, I like it more than I like it more than when I reviewed it. I could say it like that. Maybe okay. a 3.8 if we could do 3. It was.
0: Uh, you want to just change that rating thing now?
1: Let's, uh, just, let's just do 10. Let's just do 10. Let's do 10 at the end of the year. Let's finish up a year. The 20, 2020. Okay as such and then we can start 2021 with that because i do feel like it's sort of lacking right it's like not granular at least <clears> you <throat> can give something a 7.5 or an 8.5 that feels much more granular than okay well a 20 percent jump
0: right well like well like i wanted to give i wanted to give um pile of priests like a 4.75 right and it's like if if we're going to do that might as well just have it out of 10 yeah 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 that, we'll wait till the end of the year that's fine Think of all the think of all the albums that you gave a four though. Do you like Carnosis as much as those albums?
1: Well, that's why I sort of hesitated saying that I would give it a four because okay. I don't know if it's a four. But I, I feel like like some stuff came up on playing you know shuffle like oh you probably because it comes up you know and stuff I've listened to before and things and uh-huh. I recognize the songs like oh actually it's pretty good and so there's a couple. Yep. I think uh, I, I think, think that
0: I gave it a three, didn't I?
1: Yeah, you gave it a three. Yeah, I got to
0: bump it up because that was wrong. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back and re-listen to it. Like, I'm going back and re-listening to, like, certain albums, just, you know, maybe the ones that I've even listened to a lot since, like the Body Count one or, um, you know, you name it, uh, Psychosomatic, you know, and then being able to re- re-listen to them and go, oh, yeah, that was a correct rating or whatever, and then have a few more comments about it. But Carnosis is one I have not listened to since we rated it.
1: You know, what's interesting is I went back and listened to that one a little bit. I didn't listen to the whole thing, but because – Carnosis came up and I, I enjoyed it. And I remember enjoying it, but I felt that there were some things I didn't like about it. And you really didn't like it. But I almost felt like you were kind of in a bad mood that day. Like, I, I don't even know why I'd like this. And I, I, I don't know if you even listened to it that much.
0: I, I gave it a three, three listens, yeah. But I didn't listen to it. Oh, beyond you gave it three.
1: Okay, yeah, but well. I, didn't,
0: I didn't listen to it beyond that, though. I, I just, I felt like I got more and more frustrated with it. Yeah, I, you know, I was probably not in the mood while I listened to it, was what it was.
1: Yeah, and admittedly, it's probably a little long. I don't recall exactly, but it might be 50 minutes or something like that. Um, Something like that. One of the things is that they did seem to be kind of all the same, similar type of thing, same kind of tempo, you know? Yeah. When I these couple songs, like one song came up, and I was like, oh, that's Carnosis. Let me go back and just listen to it again. And I kind of shuffled around and skipped through to some ones that I remembered sort of liking, and I liked it. You know, more than I, re- I remember giving it when I rated it.
0: Now, is, like Jim in, is, Jim, is Jim influencing you at all? Because I have a feeling Jim really likes that album.
1: Not at all. No, oh, okay. it literally yeah. just came up. It was kind of maybe that whole synchronicity thing. But it literally yeah, just came up because um, he, he texted about that saying yeah. something about it. That was like a, a night or two ago. But no, this literally just came up last, like this morning, actually, I think. I woke up and yeah, he was asleep. He, he, and so I just started listening to music, you know
0: yeah he texted me a few days ago about that one too he's like you know kind of razzing me like you know there are lots of drummers who are far faster than this one this guy's not playing exceptionally fast Ian blah, blah 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 I'm just like okay you got me
1: yeah I so, saw that too
0: yeah, yeah I was like I was like it, I said it sounded fake not that it sounded unplayable or something like that like getting yeah <laughs> it did
1: I could see what you were what you were talking about that because if you do listen to the drums it does sound fake almost like it does sound like a drum machine it, just the way it's produced i'm sure i thought it did but um, who knows but I I, I I did like the vocals i remember liking the vocals and um i did enjoy them but there were some good riffs and stuff too so let's do that that'll be a fun episode i think
0: that would be a good episode um there was another one too uh incantation the band incantation i, I yeah remember... that was a
1: while back too wasn't it yeah
0: and i haven't listened to it since either but i, I remember there's some really good riffing on that album i mean i don't think i gave it a bad review but um, that might be better than I thought it was at the time. Yeah, I have to go back and re listen to that too.
1: So, so tell I'm... you what, we got a couple things to get knocked out episode-wise, um, but I think that sounds like a great episode. We should do that for like the end of year one.
0: Perfect. Yeah, let's do that. I'll plan on it too. Maybe I should start, because that's a lot of albums. I should probably start listening to them again.
1: Yeah, I'm going to start doing that as well. And I'll maybe just approach it as we can revisit them and just rate them again. Hey, here's a good one. Year end, the albums we re- reviewed, rating them on the new system for 2021 that could be the concept
0: yeah that's perfect yeah it's kind of like starting over in a way but just blast those one yeah that's perfect yeah
1: okay cool that'll be a good one Um, what are we we reviewing today we are reviewing something right
0: we are reviewing a band from england called shrapnel they've been around since 2009 and this is their third album they just came out with in may and it is called what is it called
1: palace for the insane
0: palace for the insane right yeah. 12 tracks? 12 tracks, it's a long album, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is, 53 minutes and 24 seconds.
0: Yeah, uh-huh.
1: Pretty long, actually. I think I'm getting old and uh, my attention span is waning because I'm about like <laughs> 35, 45 minutes kind of guy now.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I am too, you know, two, three-minute songs, you know, crank them out, 35 minutes, that's good. But um, you have to really have something decent to hold my attention or I'm not going to listen to a whole hour, you know? Mm-hmm
1: these guys shrapnel are a thrash band from norwich england right uh-huh They're, they're not four. to be confused with the punk band from the 80s that by the same name yeah um, from the
0: late 70s early 80s yeah. yeah um yeah they're a four piece they're a four piece now anyway or i guess i guess they always have been but it's a different kind of four piece now mm-hmm. and um i did not go back and listen to their first two albums which i heard and i've read are pretty good virus conspiracies and raised on decay and the reason i didn't go back and listen to them is because this uh, apparently is basically a different band now. I mean,
1: well, I, who's in it? it? Who's in it? So they they've got it's a four piece. You said right, you right. Little well, little they, little well little then thing?
0: the the, 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 bass, the original bass player and singer um, left or were kicked out. I'm not sure. And then they got a guy named Aaron Tucker to play bass and sing, and it just kind of it changed the sound. Apparently, uh, apparently this guy is a, uh, a better singer or puts a little bit more aggression into their sound. Like I said, I haven't compared, but. Um, uh Chris Martin and Nathan Sad are the guitar players, and they are rejoined by the original drummer Chris Williams. Interesting. And, yeah, and new vocalist um, and bassist Aaron Tucker, and uh, the chemistry is is pretty good. I mean, like I said, I have nothing to compare them by, but just from hearing them for the first time, I I thought it sounded a lot like Evil, actually, and um, original enough to hold my attention for the whole hour. Huh. You didn't
1: like it, huh? um, You know, I did. Uh, The first time I listened to it, I didn't really care for it. But then I listened to it more than once and it got better for me. Same here. I I noticed uh, some really good riffs in there. Yep. I think the thing for me is I'm just not, and you'll, when I say this, you'll know, I could probably even ask you what it is I don't really care for about this band or what really didn't, wasn't a huge fan of. Uh, And I think for me, it was like the lyrics, some of the vocals rather, not even the lyrics, the vocals. Right. Uh, they were a little, um, Generic. Not my style. Yeah. Almost like, I hate using the term, but like, kind of like popish or radio-y.
0: You know what? And I know where you're going with this. Some of the choruses on some of the songs yes. turned into like way overly melodic that didn't really fit the song. Yes. And it threw me off. But what I did like about that was that they made them short, It didn't go on too long or like destroy the song. And then when it went right back into the verse from that kind of crummy sound, in my opinion, like you're saying, it it made the song almost better in a way because it'd go back to that killer verse and then it'd get grinding and it made it more satisfying when it would go back to something I liked, you know, because they didn't like string it on and it wasn't every song that they did that. But yeah, a couple of the songs that I could imagine them trying to trying to get some radio airplay. I agree. Yeah. There was like a melody in there that just didn't it just turned me off. Big yeah, time. there
1: was a lot of that for me. I, I liked the second half of the album better. Same here. Um, it, had, it,
0: it... it had a definite increase. Like the first two songs, I didn't really like. Yeah. Um, I thought they were pretty I liked bland. the third
1: track. That Vulture's Circle was actually pretty good to me.
0: Yep, that's a good song. That's one um, of my favorites, yep.
1: Probably my favorite, though, was track five, Begin Again. Oh, really mine, was, that one a lot.
0: mine was, uh, I believe it was track four, um, Cannibals, or Cannibal.
1: Oh my God! Really, I hated that one. <laughs> oh, did you know? I like that. I like that's that song. So, yeah, hated that. Yeah, yeah so. and
0: be- beginning and beginning in this this had a definite upward tra- trajectory for an album. Like it, it slowly for me it got better and better as the album went on, incrementally. You know, and mm-hmm. I did like it a lot more the second and third time I listened to it. But um, yeah, you know, you get to almost an hour though by the last couple of songs, I was like ready to move on, kind of. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah yeah so but it got better i think that maybe that was a smart thing to do then and put the better songs at the end because i also liked uh bury me alive track six which i guess is a kind of more in the middle yeah but then um track 10 violent now and forever that was a pretty good one too
0: infernal choir was good too yeah, yeah, I, yeah I do remember yeah.
1: that one that was pretty good yeah.
0: yeah actually yeah now violent now forever is pretty good future Sight's good Um palace for the insane is, is good yeah but track 12 at the very end like i said it's just it's getting to the point where maybe i want to hear something else at this point you know but. yeah
1: was, i was i think like because you're getting 53 54 minutes into it it's a little long
0: yeah it's kind of long i mean five yeah. minute songs really and it's you know that's fine as long as they're good songs but yeah for the most part i thought these were good songs but like i said the first two songs were just kind of kind of boring i don't know i mean they got better as i listened to the album more and more but yeah it did definitely pick up you know but what would you give this one
1: i'd give it a three and a half
0: <laughs> same here. Yeah. same
1: Yeah. Here. Yeah. It's got good riffs. I just, the, the vocals kind of what you, the way you phrased it was a good way of explaining what it is. I'm trying, I was trying to convey, I wasn't huge on some of the vocals in there, but there's just real, there's good riffs. There were several good songs. I think that in some, like, I, I think even track five, begin again, had kind of like more of a rockish feel. And yeah. I feel like that was maybe where the, to me, where I sort of liked it. Because some of the stuff, it's like thrash, like, oh, this is a rad thrash riff, and they would get into that more radio y sound, and it just didn't fit. Yeah. Whereas if you're listening to something that's maybe a little more rock, then they throw that in there, and then you're like, oh, okay, it fits. I don't know. just No, the, I, no I agree. I agree. Um, is, but. They, they
0: they sounded, um, <clears throat> like I said, they, there was a lot of parts in it that you could tell, um, maybe not influenced by Evil, but it just something about it reminded me. They sounded like a British straight up thrash band to me. I don't know yeah. why that makes sense, but they really did like these guys on the same bill with like evile or something would probably be perfect you know i could see that yeah yeah well
1: so, good a- find good find three, it,
0: was, yep. it wasn't bad no it's a good album it's a good album it's worth if you like thrash metal it's worth listening to but um just be prepared for some of those little melodic choruses in there and and some rather generic-ish sort of vocals i guess i like the singer i thought it was good but um, i'm curious what the last guy sounded like because apparently everyone thinks this is a, this is like an upgrade so huh.
1: Well, hopefully, I mean, sometimes it's just different and it can feel different for people. I mean, we've talked about personnel changes before. Right, right.
0: I'll I'll listen to this album again, personally, you know. um, It's better than some of the other stuff we've done.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, you know what? Not to detract from these guys, but... um, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. better as well.
0: Yep. So we're going to be doing the Drake Equation today, Dan. Uh, Do you know anything about this?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've heard about it, um, but I, I don't really know much of it beyond that. More of just a familiarity. It's a very interesting uh, thing to think about, though, you know.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I think it was. I think he came up with it in what 1960 or something, and uh, his name was Frank Drake. And um, yeah, yeah, it's not like I like sat sat down and made my own calculations or anything before, but I've heard about it for many years. Um, he's the one who actually started SETI too. Search for That is a really,
1: really cool thing, man. I've I've been familiar with that since the '90s, man. Back since like in the days of dial-up modems and all that stuff. Are you familiar with, with uh, some of their earlier stuff? Yeah,
0: yeah. They were funded by Congress, and then um, Congress cut off the funding for it, and now it's privately funded, uh, I believe, by Allen. Um, he has the Allen Array up in Cal- northern California, and he was one of the founders of what was it, Microsoft or something? And he's one of he's like the main yeah. he's the main funder yeah, that's now. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, they used to do this uh, screensaver back in the ni- late '90s, uh, early 2000s. I think it went into early. the 2000s, and it may have just died fairly recently. They may have shut it down in the last year or two. But you would download these data files, which were were scans from their arrays, right? Yeah. And in the background, it was a screensaver, so you'd be working, and supposedly it's not really doing anything. And then when you'd go into your screensaver mode, it would do all this cool screensaver stuff. But basically, what it was doing was just Calc using your unused CPU cycles to calculate these batches of data from Right. Data Cause data. there's,
0: there's so much, there's so much. Yeah. To go- yeah.
1: yeah. So then they would, and then when it was done, it would upload it back, you know, kind of back behind the scenes, you download a new batch and it was kind of just the screensaver that you did. And it was supposedly, you know, just use crunching the numbers for some of the, the data that they had, which I thought was a great idea. And it was a fun concept.
0: I think there's, I think they're still doing that. So and so everyone can kind of have a, have a hand in, in helping, you know, like you said, crunch all that data. So I think yeah. that's, still no, it's, I'm not that's sure done
1: that. though. I, th- oh, that, was I it? read about it being done and I'm just not sure if it was w- within the last year or last two years, but that, um, oh, okay. that's, that well, specific project, I guess they have all the data that they want right now and they're just still crunching the numbers and, and working on the results of what people did or something. I don't know. I remember there's, I'm sure there's a, a post on it on their website somewhere, but I did read about that.
0: I think they have probably lifetimes of data right now that they haven't looked at, but um. Who knows? Yeah, but the Drake, uh, the Drake equation, um, I'm going to read some stuff. Uh, this is from, this is probably the mid seventies and it was um Carl Sagan. And uh, some of the stuff I'm, I'm going to read here is, is what things that Carl Sagan said. Um, he says, uh, this is one of the great questions. How many advanced civilizations capable at least of radio astronomy are there in the Milky way galaxy? Um, and it's located in a remote valley on the island of Puerto Rico. It sends and receives radio signals, but it's so large and powerful that it could communicate with an identical radio telescope 15,000 light years away to the center of the Milky Way galaxy. The Arecibo telescope is what it's called. Um, has been used for sp- very sparingly to search for signals from civilizations in space. Now, granted, this is 40 years ago when he said this, but Uh, He said, and just once to broadcast a message to a distant star cluster called M13. Uh, I believe they did that from the Arecibo telescope in 1973 or 74. Um, But anyway, uh, is there anyone out there to talk to anyway? 400 billion uh, stars in the Milky Way galaxy. um, Is ours the only one with an inhabited planet? That's the big question. How much more likely is it? that the galaxy is throbbing and humming with advanced societies, perhaps near one of those pinpoints of light in our inner night sky, someone quite different from us is glancing idly at a star we call the sun and entertaining just for a moment an outrageous speculation. There are an enormous number of stars, only some of them will have planets suitable for life and on only some of those worlds will intelligence arise. Perhaps a few of those civilizations will avoid the trap jointly set by their technology and their passions If there are many civilizations, one of them should be rather close by. If there are few civilizations, then even the nearest may be very, very far away. This is one of the great questions. How many advanced civilizations are there capable, at least to radio astronomy, um, are there in the Milky Way galaxy? Uh, So, and then he goes into the Drake equation. He says, let's call the number of such civilizations by the capital letter N. So that's the first letter in the Drake equation, right? Do you yep. want to go? Do you want to go through what it is um, each each line, or do you want me to continue with this?
1: Yeah. So um, maybe just take a step back. I mean, you've you sort of touched on it. The Drake Equation is used to estimate the number of communicating civilizations, right? Not just like life, not just these are people that have reached a certain or not people, but a, certain people level, yeah. a certain level, yeah, certain level of um, civilization and technology, where, right? where
0: they have something um, akin to radio. Um, Radio astronomy or something the equivalent, yeah,
1: that that sort right. of thing,
0: yeah.
1: Right, so uh, <clears throat> the, that takes in a lot of different factors, right? I mean, you can get all complicated, you can talk about this, but they're all pretty much taking the probability of something, multiplying it by something else, multiplying it by something <clears throat> else, and so forth, right?
0: Yeah, And yeah. they're
1: all estimations with things that would have, um, well, you could say very – substantial effects given the uncertainty around some of these measurements.
0: Yeah, a lot of the numbers you kind of have to, it's really actually pretty subjective, the numbers you plug in based on your beliefs in a way. Um, Some of the numbers that you can plug in, we know more about now and, and can be more accurate. Then when it first came up, you know, um, but we'll get into that. Um,
1: yeah, but so you have like so you said n, the number of civilizations in the Milky Way galaxy whose n- electromagnetic emissions are detectable by us, right?
0: Well, um, n is a number that depends on many things. It depends on the number. It depends on the total number of stars in the Milky Way. Um, let's call that n sub. Well, but but
1: but n, but n is the answer to this question, right? right?
0: It's n, and it's n, n n n sub star or like an asterisk. Yeah. That's the first part of the equation. Um, It depends on the fraction of stars that have planets and they call that F sub P or FP. It depends on the average number of planets in a given solar system that are ecologically suitable for life. So we'll call that N sub E or N E. That's the next part. It depends on the fraction of suitable planets where life actually arises. Uh, We'll call that F sub L or small L. So F L. It depends on the fraction of inhabited planets on which intelligence emerges, and they call that F sub I, or I for, you know, intelligence, Um, and and the fraction of those planets where this intelligent beings evolve to form a communicative civilization, they call that F sub C, or FC for communication. Uh, Finally, it depends on the fraction of planets of a planet's lifetime, that it is graced by a techno, technical civilization. And they call that F sub L again, except well, it's, well, it's, F, it's F, F, F capital L. So that. that- Part of
1: those though, are, it's not just that they have them, it's that they're being detected. To me, that seems like one of the one of the distinctions, right? Because there's you're talking about such great distances.
0: Correct, correct.
1: But um, it, 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 based off whether
0: of whether we can detect them or not. I mean, radio waves only travel the speed of light, so even if they're out there, we may never get those signals. See what I'm saying? So this is this is so going correct,
1: to be- and that's where the uncertainty goes. Right, and and that's based based off the measurements that they take. Well, and that's what—that's an important distinction to make. That's
0: what the whole Drake Equation is about, though. It's it it goes beyond whether we can ever hear them, though, and whether they actually exist. Not
1: from what I read, they were talking specifically about the specifically using the word detectable,
0: detectable, not detected, not detected, detectable.
1: Correct. Okay. So, but I'm my point is is that there's so much uncertainty about this number the the answer oh, yeah. right oh yeah definitely. and all these assumptions and that's sort of you know i'm just it's it's one of those things that's interesting to talk about i'm just wondering how uh accurate it is you know what i mean well, it's not accurate As a accurate concept at all. it's very you're right I can't.
0: I mean, it can't be accurate because, like I said, you you only we can only guess a, a lot of these um, parts of the equation as to what number to put in. But anyway, yeah. here. Um, so the if we that, if, that, the,
1: that's, that the word detectable is a significant uh, thing to be put in there because it, it's just one more level of uncertainty, right? Because as you're saying, right, that the, just because they aren't detectable doesn't mean they're there. They're just going off of what the measurements are.
0: You mean just because they're detectable doesn't mean we can detect them because everything's so vast. I mean, you'd, you'd have to have a planet that's pretty close to be able to actually pick up those those radio waves or the equivalent.
1: Right, well, that's what I'm saying. They're going off of what they've measured already. Right, uh, right, right. Hence, the, hence them being detectable.
0: Well, if, if we multiply all these numbers together, we've estimated capital M, the number of civilizations in our galaxy alone, This equation by Frank Drake of Cornell University is only a sentence. The verb is equals in quotes. So you start with the n N star, n sub star. And um, let's try to go through the program of this equation. By carefully counting the number of stars in a small but representative region of the sky, we find the number of stars in the Milky Way to be roughly 400 billion, right? The next sequence is fp or f sub p. And now at the time Carl Sagan was saying all of this, uh, the next number to plug into the equation was not as well known as it is today. He estimated the number of stars that had planetary systems around them to be about one quarter. Um, we now know, thanks to the Kepler telescope, that the number is actually that nearby, nearly every star is accompanied by one or more planets. So nearly yeah, every star- they stars, average
1: about 1.6 from what I read. Uh, planets per star. Yes, correct.
0: Right. So, near, but nearly every star has a solar system. Is, is what he was saying? One quarter of the stars we see have a, some sort of solar system. Not not planets around the stars, but a solar system. Yeah. But um, now we know that it's virtually every star. Um, nearly every star is accompanied by one or more planets. So, 1.6, you said, right?
1: Yep.
0: A quarter was a vast underestimate at the time he said this uh, it was some 50 odd years ago. We could reasonably, be, we could reasonably and it's an underestimation, uh, plug nine-tenths into that part of the equation from what we know now. He calculated the number of planets surrounding stars at the time to be roughly 100 billion based on the arbitrary guess of one quarter of the stars having their own solar systems. Um, based on the estimates we have today, that number is likely four times that amount. So you figure 400 billion solar systems in our galaxy alone. He then estimated that if every solar system had roughly 10 planets, not, not 10, but roughly 10, as ours does, now I know we don't have 10, but it's, it's a rough estimate. He was kind of estimating up, um, at 10 as ours yeah, does. Yeah, I would it,
1: say, because if, yeah. even if you're one over, I mean, that's right. quite, <laughs> quite a right. bit, yeah.
0: Yeah, or, or two over, yeah. But then if you multiply that by 100 billion solar systems, there would be 1 trillion planets in our galaxy alone. Uh, a number we now know is most likely four times that amount, if not more. Um, If in our own solar system, there are several bodies other than Earth that may be suitable for life. Now, we don't know that, but if there are, this makes the chances of at least microbial life in our our galaxy a given. Sure.
1: Yeah. Well, that all but is with these numbers you're talking about.
0: Right, right. The next is N, E or, you know, small N, small E, N sub E. He chose the next part of the equation, N sub E, the number of worlds per solar system that could be suitable for life as two. Now, I don't know why he picked two because there's not even two in our solar system, but he is just, you know, kind of rounding up, I guess. I don't know. I'm going by his numbers. Well, as you said,
1: we- I'm sorry to interrupt you. As you said, as you said earlier, it's about you plug it in based off your beliefs, right?
0: Yeah, you pretty much do. And unless you really know some, some numbers as fact or what you, you know, it's, mo- it's more likely it's this now. Like I said, it's 50 years later so. Um, Going by his numbers and what we know today, multiply that number by four, because of the many more solar systems probable, we get eight. So what was 100 billion times two or 200 billion now becomes 400 billion uh, times two planets capable of supporting life per system, or 800 billion. So the next part of the equation is FL, and that is the fraction of those worlds in which life does arise. He estimated that at 0.5 or half. So you figure like if there was two, wow, Earths,
1: that's pretty bold. Yeah. Yeah. You, is, well, you figure there, if there's assumptions, right. He's saying that if there's two in every solar system. That means he's, one
0: he's saying that one
1: in every solar system, right? Exactly. Um, that, that, yeah, that's yeah, high. that
0: does seem high to me. Um, but he was, yeah, you know, he was Carl Sagan, whatever. Uh, he got 100 billion. So now we would get 400 billion Kate, you know, that would have life. Okay. So now is now the estimates get really tough. Uh, Carl Sagan said, you know, now the estimates get tougher. Many specific and unlikely events had to occur for our species and our technology to emerge. Uh, Some scientists think that we went from trilobites to radio telescopes uh, and the civilization around us today in a shot, um, and that life is that way everywhere. That's how it occurs everywhere. Other scientists obviously do not agree. There may be different roads to high technology as well as many roadblocks, right? Think of the, the, like what they call the great filter, like all the things that have to line up just right.
1: For oh, their yeah, survival. yeah, certainly. And, and to get to many different points, I mean, all it takes is one thing to happen, right? If you crush a snail as you're walking along the road, well, that snail, I mean, possibly could have been the one that survived the next nuclear holocaust or the temperature thing that would carry on those genes that would be able to go and you just fucked it all up.
0: Well, I would have picked a cockroach or a raccoon, but yeah, okay, we'll go with there snail. There you go.
1: Great. there you go did you, ever, did you ever see that one when homer went, uh, not to detract but that one simpsons where homer went back in time i think it was one of the treehouse of horrors and he uh, stepped on like a plant or something and he came back and he was like oh like different did you ever see that and he kept no I, I don't think I saw that one. It, but... it was that yeah. halloween episode wasn't it yeah yeah one of them it was pretty funny
0: sorry right, go know- ahead well, yeah, they, they do. You know, like according to a lot of the the data they've looked at, or scientists, whatever. You know, apparently, if there's just one little thing that's out of step with everything else, we wouldn't even exist. Sure, I mean, it's right. It's a strange concept, right? No,
1: yeah, everything we were- that's here now is is a result of being able to. Survive the, the conditions of the previous time right, I mean, right. Ultimately what it is.
0: well and then you think of the distance from you know what we have the distance to the sun or you know the distance earth to the sun the fact we even have a moon i mean without a moon i don't know that we'd even be here because that stabilizes everything right so just picture us without a moon then we wouldn't be here that's and in the grand scheme of things the whole universe just not having a moon is kind of a small thing right
1: Sure, yeah. And look at, look at how many impacts the moon has. <laughs> right. <laughs> it probably took some from flack from us, right? Sure.
0: Um, if we were to take some middle ground, say, uh, then F sub I, or the fraction of planets with intelligent life, um, we'll say one-tenth. And F sub C, or the fraction of those planets with civilizations capable of radio communication, or the equivalent, we'll do that also say one-tenth then we would get 1% of inhabited planets that would ever produce intelligent civilizations capable of radio communication or the equivalent. Whereas he got 1 billion planets with a civilization based on those numbers capable to communicate, we would now, as a, a conservative estimate, we would get about 4 billion planets. That's just in the Milky Way galaxy. Now, what percentage of the lifetime of a planet is marked by intelligent civilization able to communicate? This is what you're talking about, I think.
1: Yeah, right um
0: the inhabitants of earth for instance have only used radio communication for about 100 years you know it's weird if you think about it that way and that is out of the lifetime of over four billion years sure. of, of well, the
1: earth think about how far it's come right i mean see, so you were t- we were talking about it earlier the the tele the telegraph and all this stuff and right. here we are you and i now uh, i'm sitting in, in a room and I have no wires connected to this laptop and you probably have no wires connected to this laptop and somehow we're recording an episode that if we wanted to, we could be streaming live on video to someone else on the other side of the world, right? I mean, it's just, in it's such a short time. An extremely what's short time. I
0: mean, if you really think about like, I think one episode you were talking about in 1920, you know, the, um, the first, uh, what was it? The first cell phones or something. Um, yeah,
1: then, we did that. That was the Louis Matar in a fabulous car episode. What episode oh, was
0: that? Uh, episode eight, I think. Yeah, it was episode eight.
1: Eight or nine? Was that? Was that nine? Yep. Actually, that might have been the one where we reviewed. More, right. Well, oh, that was Kent. Oh yeah, you're right.
0: Yeah, that was Kent. That was nine. So yeah, it was episode eight. But you said something like, um, "I remember you said something like, you know, think about it. That was only a hundred years ago." And I and I kind of it was like, "That's right. 1920 was a hundred years ago," and. The distance we've come technologically in just, well, 130 years maybe, you know, because with the advent of cars and, and then flight, you know, it's like just jumping forward, jumping forward in less than 200 years, we've come this far to the point where people walked on the moon, according to realists, you know, but. Um, oh, oh yeah. Uh, uh,
1: that's a whole other episode. Right, right. <laughs> so same funny. as the flat earth episode.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, episode four.
1: Oh, I'm getting good at that um
0: now are you are you
1: all of our listens is that you yeah right yes. <laughs> I, i'm thinking that we have a growth and it's just you listening to them at work <laughs> no 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 i can't listen to stuff at work. I, get yeah, I, for Stanley.
0: I, I, I flew to jamaica and you know that kind of stuff but anyway um uh since it's hardly out of the question now this is where it gets kind of weird since it's hardly out of the question that we could destroy ourselves tomorrow right uh, we may never find other communicative civilizations, even if they have already found us. um What percentage of the lifetime of a planet is marked by this intelligent civilization um we like I said, a hundred years out of four what is four billion plus four and a half billion years that's not a very big percentage of of time if you extrapolate that to other planets, you know the chances of us really finding anything are pretty slim, don't you think
1: yeah, I mean you're talking about. I mean, this is this whole discussion and I hope I don't derail it too much, but ultimately the biggest question is one to me that's on a continuum, right? So I don't, I think when you start talking about numbers like this and the the grand scheme, you would be foolish to say there's no life anywhere else. Right. And you'd probably be foolish to say that there's no intelligent life anywhere else. You have to look at everything on a continuum of let's say, let's talk about, slime and little you know unicellular organisms and different things like that all the way up to the apex of evolution let's say where you've got you know no need to speak anymore and whatever idealized thing that there is that telepathy whatever it is and you have to not only assume that those things can happen as a as a a range of potential but also that there's different um Timelines, right? And that's, what, I mean, the equation talks about time and, and, and things like that. But there are some great assumptions that you have to make. So, yeah, if you change one thing, the the variability mm-hmm. is insane. For example, let's say if you were to say, and this is sort of kind of quoted from, um, I think it might have been SETI, SETI's website, but I could be wrong, sorry. If civilizations characteristically destroy themselves within a decade of achieving radio astronomy, which is taken as a marker of an advanced civilization, then Mm n would equal to one. And there are no other intelligent life forms in the galaxy with whom terrestrial research can communicate.
0: Can communicate.
1: Right. If, on the other hand, it is assumed that 1% of the civilizations learn to live with this technology and avoid the mass destruction of themselves, then n could equal 1 million. Right. And the nearest advanced civilization would be an average of a few hundred light years away. So I just feel like this is a very good um, mental exercise and one that I hope these measurements would, would bring because this is such an interesting thing and it would be so cool even just to know that like, let's say, I mean, think of how awesome that would be just to know like dude there was life on there was life on mars they found bacteria because that's a whole other discussion right i mean we could tell you and i i think have talked offline about this about the potential of where life came from on earth you know and we've talked a little bit about it online and on the podcast but um that would be a huge thing you know and i so i think these things are all assumptions and you can So much variability, but I think that to me the answer is that there is somewhere, right? Or could it be it takes so long that only very few of them, and they died out before we even got around, right? Because we're relatively young, right?
0: They existed; they could communicate, but we'll never find them because of the vast distances.
1: Yeah, or or they're gone. Or they're gone. The the universe is so big; they already had their whole rise and fall. They're gone. They didn't last. And it's so far that we didn't, and the timing was just such that we didn't yet detect them because we didn't have that technology or we have not yet detected them. Right. And they'll never be there and we would never know. And we just never would never know. Or
0: we could get them or we could get a message and they died out millions of years ago. Billions. Billions. Yep. Exactly.
1: Right. I mean, that's the thing when you talk about these scales. Yeah. Yeah, so it's amazing. I I love this idea, and it's a great great thought experiment. Um, and I know it's sort of where you fall on the spectrum. You know, oh, yeah. I I you've you've had personal experiences that you've shared before, and uh, I think the key word though is detectable or detected, because like like we were just saying, this stuff, so the whole rise and fall of this civilization could have happened. We never would have ever detected them. They their way their waves or their evidence whatever. Uh, hit here, you know, 100,000 years ago. Right. Or 20,000 years ago. I mean, we, we you know, here, you could, you know, you could have it. I don't know. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: I, I was going to say, I'll put it this way. Say the closest other civilization to us is really close, like say, like say, 100 light years from us or 120 light years from us. Uh-huh. That would be really close in, in the big scheme of things. Even if they sent a message to us. Like when we first started using radios, radio astronomy, whatever, um, we still wouldn't be getting the message, even though they're that close.
1: Right, exactly. That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. And so just think about on a bigger scale than that much bigger, billions of years, right? I mean, it's just the chance that we would connect with any of this data yet during this small, short window of time that we've had this capability you know it's not to me that's that's why that's why i brought that word earlier like that whole detected and detectable because i think that's a huge component of this
0: i hate to say it but i think the chance is essentially zero i mean it's just just so vast unless you know well who knows um well check this out though suppose for the sake of argument we go by way of the dinosaurs and vanish tomorrow then F sub L or the average longevity of a civilization would be roughly one, 100 millionths, one, 100 millionths, 100 years we've been able to communicate using radio astronomy, you know, divided by four plus billion years of earth's existence. So N could be as low as 40 planets in our galaxy harboring intelligent life, able to communicate, um, even if the number were so low, that is nearly a guarantee that there is in our galaxy alone there are at least forty other planets harboring life, even at the lowest numbers.
1: Sure, and that um, seems reasonable, right? It, I mean, it does. Sure. Insane. Yeah,
0: and that number is based on the supposition that we become extinct tomorrow. So, but if no, well, we're
1: not too far off, dude. I think we got. I 50 know. Here. I know.
0: It's kind of scary. That's yeah, really. 50 years that's pretty scary um but if that is but if that is so there's still 40 civilizations mathematically probable to exist in just one galaxy out of billions and billions of galaxies so that i mean the chance of life out there i think is i am no mathematician but it's it would appear to me that it is mathematically impossible for there not to be other intelligent civilizations even in just in our galaxy yeah. yeah let alone the universe so yeah
1: I love this idea. I mean, and it's touched upon, right. In science fiction, it's touched upon in video games and things. I just love this idea of, of that because it's amazing. I mean, I think there's, I mean, since the history of humans, right. When we've had this awareness and maybe some previous versions of hominids or maybe dolphins or something, I have no idea, but we've considered, you know, different origins of ourselves. I mean, that's what a lot of religion is based upon, right. Is figuring out what, what the meaning of it is and, and the cause of everything is. Yeah. And it's uh one of those things that we'll never know. <laughs> we'll never know, right? I mean, unless we are slapped with sheer clean evidence, like aliens land <laughs> land on the, you know, and they, they present themselves to us to us. I mean, I don't
0: let's just say I am as close to a hundred percent positive as I could possibly be without, you know, without any like Actual evidence to show anybody, just based on what I saw, it's like that is not us. And um, if there's, if they're all around us, like I, I believe they are. You know, I, as in, 100...
1: as in, like they live that kind as, of. As in, no,
0: as in, like other civilizations, intelligent civilizations. They don't, they don't know how to just communicate with other planets. They're traveling the the cosmos, dude. They're traveling the galaxy. They're maybe even intergalactic species, for all I know. But um, they they're looking at us. They're watching us, dude. I I know they are. And what the closest the closest planet or the closest star to us is, is how far, what? Four light years or something. I, I'm believe, not it's, sure. I believe it's four light years away. We have hundreds and hundreds of stars that are within a hundred light years of us. And we know nothing about the planets around those stars for all we know. We only pa-
1: detected our first one in the sixties, right? Wasn't it like in 61 or something like that? Do you no, no, I'm sorry. I'm 94. sorry. It was 1995. Oh, I thought it was 94. First confirmed yet. exoplanet was found in it. A- around a main sequence star called 51 Pegasi b.
0: That's right, and yeah, so it's been real recent. We know nothing about the planets I mean, around us. What are we, 30 years, the, 25 years? Even the closest stars around us, we know nothing about them. For all yeah. we know, they are all you know, They all have a, a planet that it can be inhabited in, and that are inhabited. We don't know that, you know? And people may roll their eyes and go, oh yeah, right, dude. It's like, yeah, but if you look at, if you see something in the sky that you can't figure out and you just know that's not us, then you come back to me and tell me I'm a freak or a fruit loop, you know?
1: So ultimately it's not a question of if, but it's when and where, right? And
0: how, yeah, and how, yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and, whether... and how, and how, and ultimately, but like, I, I, to me, I feel like, like you, it's mathematically a given, and I shouldn't say a given because that means a purist, you know, that you can take it as fact, and I don't think that, but it remains a statistical probability that that's the case, right? Um, yeah absolutely and, but to me it's like i could see it equally as likely that there would be certain beings that would be able to traverse that time or time and place or traverse um between dimensions or whatever it is you want to think as there are that they would not and i think both are equally as probable right i mean we talked about these minuscule t- chances we talked about the small chance that in uh, our short time that we've had the ability to detect these things in a very, very limited way. As you said, we don't know anything about these, these stars near us, right? So in a right. very limited way. And in this short time, that would have to be that it just so happened that these things that were so far away, entire civilizations could have risen and fallen multiple times. yeah, And we just have never detected it yet. And we will not because it passed us already, or we will, but much, much later because of, of the, to- the time and distance, right? Well, so, and here's,
0: here's another thing. Civilizations could have risen and fallen time and time again just here on Earth.
1: Here on Earth. I know. We don't I know. know. We, we sort of talked about it. I mean, I kind of feel like if, I, if someone asked, Dan, what, what do you think happened here? What's like life? I don't know anything, dude. I'm a freaking IT guy. But I could see that perhaps <laughs> maybe like, you know, you see stuff on Mars, and I'm not a conspiracy guy, but you see stuff on Mars that looks almost like pyramids, right? And maybe they're just shadows, whatever. Dude, okay. But I'm, I'm not there. Right. Right? So I don't know. So, But they look like pyramids, and we have pyramids Dude, here. Dude, there's
0: a lot of places so on Mars that look like, like ancient structures, but that's another story.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that is. But, like, to sum it up, I feel like there could have been life that was there. And so much time has passed, right? They've come here. It's a long, long history. And then you can see that there is, you know, and all of these primitive or indigenous people type of traditions there's a lot of things that talk that would suggest extraterrestrials or aliens coming in these different things and maybe it's just a long lost history of them coming here and over time people you know this that life whatever it was involved into humans and civilization and different species of intelligence have risen and fallen and it's just been so long yeah. that there's no evidence of these things that had happened so long ago when we talk about it right oh the egypt egypt Egyptologists think it's nine thousand years. well, then they look at history and now with the rainfall and erosion, it could be twenty thousand well, dude, that could be the case, and there could be things that are from two hundred thousand years ago that just never were never were discovered because they 're gone
0: yep, that's right, and we would never know
1: and we would never know let so let alone these planets and these these other sources of life that could have been, could have risen and fallen a billion years ago literally right i mean right
0: um i, I kind of I, I have a feeling that the, the whole quantum entanglement argument comes into play when it comes to the civilizations out there who can travel through the galaxy pretty much at will they've figured something yeah. out with quantum entanglement that that makes time and space uh, not non-existent but um it doesn't take them 100 light years to go 100 light years you know what i mean
1: yeah yeah well you look at it right i mean you have things as like dark matter and dark energy right these are different concepts of course but they talk about you know the effect i mean that's just a a tag that's attributed to the effects that they're able to see right of gravity and different things Mm -hmm. maybe maybe they're it maybe that's what this all of these different things are and you just somehow these sensors detect Whatever it is, the the effects of gravity or whatever it is that constant that unifies everything, right? And we just don't interface with those things, and somehow these other they're able to uh, come from you know there to here, so to speak, even though it's not necessarily on like a linear plane, right? That's, that's why I say like, interdimensional earlier. That's
0: right, and that's I think that's a that's a stumbling block for a lot of science and scientists is the is, is this this human way of thinking linearly about everything, traveling across space, right? You travel across space to get to the next thing. Maybe they don't do it that way.
1: Yeah, like a different dimension. (laughs) You know, we can't, like, if you look at, uh, let's say you were to take, what would it be like a circle? And you put it in like a two-dimensional a sphere right And you put it in a two-dimensional plane like two-dimensional world right it's right. going to look different than it does in a three-dimensional world it's the same thing it just appears in a different way so what if whatever it is is like or these beings or entities or whatever it is are able to just sort of travel in these these ways via like they maybe perhaps even exist in like a different dimension—not dimen- dimension of travel you know what i mean kind of out,
0: outside of the universe in a way, but
1: yeah. Still, yeah. But yet somehow observable, right. Yeah, because right. they're able to detect all this gravitational stuff. So it's, it's just, just there. It's not like it's different or I know it is different, but it's not like it's far away. It's still connected. It's just there. It's, yeah. just, there. it's yeah. just there. Right. Yeah. yeah dude, a, what I do I know? Again, I'm an IT dude. I don't know any of this stuff. It's just fun to talk about. <laughs>
0: no, it is fun to talk about. You know, <laughs> What do you mean? What do you know? Give me a break. <laughs> You know a lot more about the science and technology crap than I do, so. But yeah, this is a great conversation. I love the whole concept of um, trying to, you know, I mean, and and the Frank equation the Frank equation is just it's just a, a like you were saying it's just a thought experiment. It's a mental exercise to try and come up with some sort of number, and every number you plug in pretty much is going to be just subjective. I mean,
1: really. Sure, but the, the I believe you said Frank equation, it's the Drake equation. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, Frank Drake. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the Drake equation. Drake. Yeah, yeah, the Frank Drake. Yeah. Uh, it's ultimately just a way of sort of um, guiding the thought, right? If you thought that, Hey, there's no, there's no chance in hell, right? Let's talk about no chance in hell. I mean, you talk about billions and billions and billions and billions of, of planets, right? Yeah. Yet When you come down to it, you're talking about 40. So, so you're about these right. very, very minuscule, percentages yet they're there and then even the fact that then you would again detectable or detected that you would you would detect it is an even smaller proportion of that but i think that's that that's that quest that or that information that idea that sort of drives this type of research right why would people spend all this money on these large arrays of equipment all this stuff and all this energy and time if they didn't think that that was possible sure and that's really, I think, what makes uh, humans not. I'm just not saying exclusively humans, but that's what makes humans sort of interest interesting, you know. And what, what uh, sort of sets our types of species off? And I, I don't know what variable we'd fall in here somewhere. The uh, <laughs> the uh, in this equation, but what would be what is variable somewhere?
0: <laughs> isn't it, Isn't there something called like I think it's called the Kardashev? Look, is it kardashev
1: I'm just getting sidetracked
0: here, but it's if the kardashev um i don't know if it's called the theory or but th- um, he has like three sets of of beings um how advanced they are technologically like we are at a zero because we only like we burn fossil fuels and uh, you know absorb all this different stuff in order to make energy whereas the the next um the next most advanced kind of race would be someone who uses their their star, their their host star, um, and that's how they make. So you mean energy. like
1: solar, right, right, right. <laughs> and, then the, and then
0: and then the most advanced one would be an, a, a, an advanced race that could use their entire galaxy for the energy that they use. You know, like you've heard of um. Well, like if you use your own star, like our sun, then there's that Dyson sphere where they have the the arrays. The civilization could build around their star to absorb all the all the energy, and that's how they produce their energy. Um, And that that goes into the whole Tabitha star, you know, that that star that's giving off really weird signatures. They can't figure it out. And someone suggested maybe it's a Dyson sphere, you know. But um, I think it's called the the Kardashev. I got to look that up. But that's a really interesting thing right there. The whole whole concept of of the fact that we are at a zero technologically because we only just burn fossil fuels and we haven't figured out, you know, how to really harness energy that's around us.
1: Yeah, I mean we're start starting to get there, right? With with wind and, and uh, which is arguably also energy from the sun, right? Because of the convection currents created by the solar energy. But sure, yeah. um, I think that those types of things, the danger there is sort of the same thing as the danger as with this Drake equation, which is attributing too much importance to a specific number versus the idea or the concept. So you say that we're at zero. Well. We're at zero because that's where we are at now, right? If you're making a scale, it's arbitrary. You could be, zero could be making fire. It's just whatever this guy, whoever decided on that scale we're, decided that it was gonna be burning fossil fuel. We're,
0: essentially, we're fuel. essentially the same as cavemen still on that scale. Yeah, like you're saying.
1: Uh, burning, you know,
0: so. rubbing sticks together to make fire and you know, you're using your, your environment for energy. We burn fossil fuels and coal and things like that. We haven't, we haven't like reached out, especially yet to harness, you know, we're not technologically advanced enough to harness our star's energy really directly, like, like the Dyson sphere. And somehow. I don't know
1: what the Dyson sphere is. I'll have to learn more about that. But when we, we have large solar arrays and these large wind farms, which are, you know, wind is created from the energy from the Dyson
0: sphere is building a structure around the star in order to, to, capture like basically all of its energy to, to fuel and harness, you know, to harness that energy for your own civilization. That's a. That's a so pretty... what was,
1: what would that be? What do you mean? Like, are they, like structure, like little beacon points that suck up energy and then transmit it to a central point. Like what would that, no. Well, no one Dyson's knows. I mean, here being, what is n- no that? one knows.
0: No one knows. I mean, you could, you could like come up with your own ways of doing it, but um, there's just, there's not enough material on earth in order for us to even build some sort of sphere around our sun anyway, you know, so that's just unrealistic. It, it was just a, a concept that um, uh, a scientist named Dyson came up with, I think in the 60s.
1: Is it the guy that made the vacuum? Because those are pretty good vacuums. I got one. No, it's a Dyson vacuum. No, that, the little desktop air conditioning. Those are pretty nice too. No,
0: this is the guy who came up with the whole concept of the Orion spacecraft. And it was exploding nuclear bombs behind the spacecraft in order to travel through space. And it is actually the best way known that we could actually build a spacecraft. We could build it as big as we want because we have a, a nuclear explosions behind a plate. Hundreds a minute right and it would launch the thing into space and continue continually speed us up you know boom 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 just pushing us forward faster and faster not to the speed of light, obviously, but so fast, we could basically travel the solar system within months. It wouldn't take like years to get around. We could just jam around. And the wow. only reason, the only reason the government killed that project, it was proven too, because he did conventional bombs under a, a spacecraft and showed the the military and NASA that concept and it worked. So if, if you do like, if you do like actual nuclear explosions behind your spacecraft, it's gonna be so much more powerful. And the reason they killed that is because uh, 1961, Kennedy signed a treaty with, uh, with Russia to stop um, nuclear testing. Like in the atmosphere, it can only be done underground, right? And so they came to the conclusion that every time they launched one of these spacecraft with, with these nuclear explosions, right, Um, Roughly 10 people on the planet would die because of the fallout and the radiation attributed to that actual engine that they're using to get out into space. Right. So plus with that treaty, they just killed the whole project. I I just watched a a whole documentary on that and it's fascinating. And that's who Dyson is. It was called the, it was called the Orion project. And it was from the fifties and actually, Well, this
1: guy with the vacuums and the, and the desktop air conditioners much more practical to me. Guy, they, did a good did all, job. My vacuum's awesome.
0: <laughs> they did, yeah. They did all that stuff that Orion. They did all that right here in La Jolla.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. Well, that would explain why you're seeing the aliens off the the coast here, in Del Mar. I, I guess, yeah. Um, yeah so, uh, what do you what, what do you think? I mean, I know where you fall in in the uh, the spectrum of this. Um, I, I think we feel the same way. Like it's sort of a mathematical probability and 40 in a whole galaxy doesn't seem outlandish and you have a firsthand experience right that you've seen something i think
0: it's a certainty and i think 40 is a ridiculously low number for the size of the galaxy i mean
1: but conservative and reasonable even to a naysayer because those are very large numbers so to get 40 is a very 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 small number
0: yes relative
1: to size and scope so even if you're like oh dude you're you got that's such a small chance it's not even worth it. Well, that small chance not even worth it is still 40. <laughs> that's <laughs> so, right. That's right. You know, and
0: the person saying that yeah. doesn't, hasn't really thought through the fact that uh, the galaxy is, our galaxy alone is 100,000 light years across. You know what I mean? It's pretty uh, big. You know? And if you're saying you know, there is no life where it wanted, that's old thinking. I don't think anyone really thinks that anymore.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, here we are. We're, we're again within a short time we were doing you know telegraphs now we're talking wirelessly to each other right and uh people are probably listening to it wirelessly as well so that's trippy huh It. this stuff is amazing yeah and, and i love it every, so, and everyone
0: has a little device that's not just a phone and a, a calculator and a, a pick you know a, a camera and you know what I mean? A compass. I mean, you have everything. Oh, it's
1: everything. Digital editing. I mean, all kinds of shit. Right?
0: Yeah. yeah, And you can watch shows on it. It's just amazing. You know, and if you look back to how Star Trek was supposed to be, what, a couple hundred years in the future from now, right? And you Something look like at this. That, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You look at this. They didn't have anything like a, an iPhone. They had
1: nothing close. Yeah. But they were traveling the galaxy. So they had with, these, different... with these
0: shitty communicators, you know, beep, beep, beep,
1: beep, you know, and, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know. <laughs> yeah but captain kirk was pretty damn cool
0: yeah yeah he was badass you know that guy's in his 80s now and he still runs around like crazy i love william shatner he's awesome yeah i heard he's kind of a dick though huh um yeah yeah i heard he is kind of a dick yeah but i guess you can be arrogant when you look like that in your 80s fucking guy yeah right but anyway well that was an interesting topic what do you think about all this
1: well, again, I feel like you have to look at everything on a continuum of possibility Yeah, and you could talk about, you know, a whole timeline and a timeline of, I mean, here we are. So clearly there's you, we would call it intelligent, right. And, and able to <laughs> cast ourselves out and our, you know, energy and communications outward. So if we talk about that, I mean, here we are, we exist. So we are proof that it can happen. And exactly. in this grand scheme and the sheer scale of, not only space, but also time. Um, Exactly. It it, it seems all but a certainty to me. And that's the thing is being open to the idea. And I think, you know, it could be that we missed it. This, all these amazing things happen. We missed it. Or it could be that they're interacting with us at the same time. And you've seen them. You've had a personal experience. I haven't, but I don't doubt you. I mean, I know you, you're not, Well, you're a kook, but you're not a kook. You know what I mean?
0: (laughs) Well, I'm I'm a kook, but I'm not like a blatant fucking liar exaggerating something I saw. In my mind, I know it was just a helicopter. No, that was that was really weird shit. But um, yeah, so well, that that was a that was a fun topic. You want to wrap it up?
1: Yeah, hell yeah, man, that was awesome. Again, just an interesting conversation. And when you start, you know, because it's really easy to cast off things as, you know. Nonsense or really easy to take things is like proof. And I think that's the danger either way And so when you just can talk about it sort of say, okay Well, here's these, this formula it seems to make sense and a lot of people have talked about it Let's just throw some numbers around. It's not even like it's a hard calculation. But let's throw some numbers around And when you start realizing how big the numbers are Yep, you come to an answer that's relatively small relative re- relative to that number then you, can, you, you can't help but say you're right. The, and that feeds a whole other idea. Even if you've never had an experience, it just feeds a whole other idea of possibility. And that to me is cool. So.
0: The, the thing is, is it, even if you don't think there's other intelligent life out there at all, right? And you, you do this, Frank, uh, Frank, the Drake equation and you plug in the numbers, you could try and thwart it by plugging in the smallest numbers possible and you still get a number. So you can't get away right. from that
1: fact. A snowball's chance in hell still equals a chance. Exactly. And when you talk about a really, really, really big pool of chances, that snowball's chance in hell adds up to a number that's quantifiable.
0: That's right, yeah. Yeah. And think of all that, how many billions um, of galaxies there are – in the universe that we even know of i mean there's probably even more than that
1: i believe they it, said 200 billion galaxies is
0: that's saying. insane that's yeah. insane
1: each with each with about 200 billion solar systems i think that's about what the yes. i could be wrong but that's what comes to mind yeah i
0: think the number is bigger than 40 but that's just me
1: yep even 40. Yep, even 40.
0: all right well, well i'll see you on the next scatterbrain podcast uh you good dan
1: yeah thanks for listening everyone.